Hello and welcome to the Hearts Review with me Ross McLeod and Gordon Senior. Joining us this week is Calvin to discuss our wins over Wraith and Dunfermline. We look at the state of play in the Scottish Championship, see how we've done in the January transfer window and we ask the burning question. Why do English football fans have a goal at Scottish football? It was a very good win on Tuesday then. Yes, yeah, it certainly was. Um... More importantly, I think it was a it was a really good performance. Um, I thought, you know, we needed a, re- a, a huge reaction from Saturday, and and to be honest, we had I, I had a feeling before the game that Arts would dish out that kind of performance and result. I don't know what it was. I just thought we would turn up there with a real purpose and a determination to to lay down a marker. And the fact that the the, the way the game had ended for us on the Saturday against Wraith Rovers, you know, we had created a load of chances. And arguably, you know, we, we, we could have at least got a point out of the game, maybe even won it, um, going by the amount of chances we had created. So I thought if we had started with that similar intent, um, it would be difficult for Wraith to get near us. And and that was the case. And, um, you know, we, we created a lot of chances in the first half. Um, probably unfortunate not, not to be further ahead. Um, I think, you know, 2-0 flattered Wraith, if anything. And this was before the, the, the red card as well. Because um, I thought we were on top, um, and and looking really like we had the bit between our teeth, which was which was pleasing to see. Because particularly in in the bigger games this season, uh, certainly away from home, Dunfermline and Dundee being the examples, we've we've been poor and been off it, being extremely passive. And I thought we were anything but in that game. And um, you know, apart from Jamie McDonald making a few good saves and a couple of. Um, easy chances that well they looked easy anyway that, that we passed up it could have been about 6-0 at half time um, but you know we, we rallied and, and in the second half took our foot a little bit off the gas um, as, as you would expect you know having having two big games uh, within uh, four or five days of each other um, and then obviously we uh, we, we get the, the two goals at the end with, uh, with Big Nando coming on and uh, although I don't think he'd done too much in the game, he didn't have to. He took, took go, uh, both goals well. The the second one obviously was um, was was a magnificent header. It really was. You know, I, I think sometimes you see big strikers and and they're not always the most mobile in the air. And we've certainly had a few of them over the years. But that 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 was a tremendous bit of skill just to guide that into the 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 bottom um, side side of the goal and. Um, you know, even for a keeper like Jamie McDonald, no goalkeeper in the world's getting near that. So, big confidence booster for him to come on and, and grab the two goals. But uh, overall, it was a very accomplished performance. And um, I think we might be a little bit disappointed we didn't score more because I think, you know, if it had ended maybe... And I don't I, I don't think any Wraith fan would disagree either. If it ended 8-0, I don't think you could sit and actually uh, disagree with, with, with that result. So, um, a really good performance. Yeah, it certainly was. And... You know, a lot of the group chats probably when we did go two up and obviously Wraith were a man down, we're probably thinking, Calvin, you know, we want we want eight, we want nine. We only got four, but we can't be too greedy, can we? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't for a lack of trying, to be honest. I thought we were, the one word I'd use to describe it was probably emphatic. We, we absolutely battered them. I think the stats after the game were something like 23 shots on target to their zero. So if it wasn't for, like Gordon already said, a really good mix of goalkeeping for Jamie Walker and a bit of wastefulness on our part, it could have been an absolute cricket score. It was the perfect response to the Saturday previous because we came flying out the traps. We could have scored a, quite a few before we opened the scoring and then, say, second to half, we did sort of slow down a bit. But it, was, it wasn't the usual slow down from what we take our foot off the gas and they nick one from a sloppy goal. It was 
complete control, I would say, as prior described. And we did, as soon as the new boy came on, we, like, we could score it well again. So, oh, and all probably a, definitely our best away performance this season. I would argue overall, considering the Rafe are one of the better sides in the league, because now they're up to second. Um, probably one of our best performances this season all in. I, I feel I think every player played well. I think we, def- like, we can focus on the goals as well that like we have done. But I think defensively we were sound. Like Gordon didn't have a shot to deal with all night. We actually we didn't look like we were going to concede. Popescu coming back in the squad I think had had a brilliant game. Absolutely brilliant game. Impacted really well. Seemed to win everything there. Drove forward as well which we've not seen anybody doing at the back. Um, yeah, all in. I can't fault anybody. So yeah, um, Obviously, you wish it'd be more, but you wish it'd be more every game. But four now against a team that's challenging, I suppose, like challenging for the top four is a brilliant result. It's quite encouraging as well to see Liam Boyce continue his good form as well, Gordon. Well, yeah, you know, Liam Boyce got a lot of criticism at the start of the season. Some of it warranted, and, and some of it I thought was unfair. Um, clearly, uh, he needed to get himself match fit and, and sharp. And you've seen that with that first goal there, the link up with Michael Smith. and um, a really good finish. Um, probably should have had another one as well, but um, it was a really good night's work for him. Thought he led the line really well, um, and he'll he'll be delighted with his form at the moment. I think that's him up to eight goals for the season. Um, <clears throat> you know, you could argue that he should maybe maybe be on more, but I've absolutely no doubt that you know he'll get to at least fifteen this season, and and probably more than that. You know, he should be looking at breaking the, the twenty goal mark. Um, and that that that'll give him confidence going into the next season. You know, get a full preseason um, under his belt. Because I mean, let's make no mistake. You know, it's still a strange season, still strange circumstances. And and you know, some players feed off crowds and things like that. And I think Liam Boyce is one of these players. You know, he's a big game player, and it'll even be difficult for guys like him to to still be playing in empty stadiums, even though they they you could argue that they might be used to it now, but. Um, yeah, I think he's he played really well, and I totally agree with Calvin on Pescu as well. You know, we've been calling for ages for him to get a chance, and um, I, I don't think it's no coincidence now that we've had two clean sheets uh, after he's had two starts. Um, I thought he he handled big. Um, is it what's what's the wraith boy called? Is it Daku? His name? Duku. Manny Duku. That's it. Yeah, I thought um, I thought he handled him well, although he didn't have um, too much to do, particularly when you know wraith went down to ten men. Um, but any aerial challenge that, that came uh, his way in that first opening 35 minutes in particular, um, he dealt with it very well. Um, and as Calvin says, he was going forward and he was trying to create things. And he actually laid a beautiful ball on for, uh, I think it was Jamie Walker, and, uh, and uh, but unfortunately he couldn't, he couldn't put it away. So, um, but certainly to, to a man, I thought, the, I thought the whole team was excellent. Um, and it's a very accomplished performance. Um, but as I said before the game, I, I fancied Hearts to to lay down that sort of marker, and I'm delighted that they didn't um, they didn't let me down. Obviously, Ewan Henderson also was on the go- scoring sheet. Um, Calvin Josh Kennelly going off though that's that's a bit of a concern. I'm hearing he's injured as well. Yeah, I mean, it just seems to be coming through now that that could be him out for the season. So it's a it's a big concern. It's um, we've said several times on the show he is probably one of our best players this season when he's fit. So. It kind of is a bit short in that department again because we've covered the winger several times. It obviously we've just signed Mackay Stevens, so that's one massive positive there. But the, Henderson, he got a goal. He didn't. He didn't particularly play bad, but I just don't, don't particularly think he's he's going to cut our hearts. It's maybe I don't know if I'm being harsh. He's still a young guy, but he seems to be around the team for a while. 
and he, he looks okay at this level, but he's not exactly standing out. So yeah, it's a, it's a real concern with Janelli now. Apparently, I think Nielsen's confirmed it now that's him out out for the season. So yeah, it's it's definitely not it's definitely not good. I, I, I kind of do we start bringing Freer Roberts back in, or does Eddie White start getting a shot um, out wide? I, I don't really know. Yeah, I, I I agree what you're saying about Henderson there. You know, I think he's yeah he's he's still relatively young, but I just don't see a player in there unfortunately that that's going to um, benefit Hearts going forward. You know, I think um, I'm all for giving young players a chance, but I think there's been more talented young players who have been let go, and compared to to guys like Henderson and and even Moore, who I think they're trying um, to to get rid of. Um, I think were they, they were given two-year contracts extensions in the summer there when before Nielsen had even came in, which I found baffling. Um, you know, because clearly that wasn't his decision. But um, I don't know if that was Stendhal's decision or what. But I found I found that a strange one. Um, but you know, I thought he'd done all right. You know, he couldn't really miss. Let's be honest. Um, he was like a yard out when he scored. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was it's, it's gotten about Ginelli because, like we've said many times, there's clearly a really talented player. And you know, I guess if it wasn't for his injury record, probably wouldn't really be. He probably wouldn't be at Hearts, to be honest. Um, certainly not in the Championship, anyway. Um, it's it's tough because you know it looks like they were they were set to agree a long term deal for him. Um, I think the question now you've got to ask is do we still offer him a contract? Because we have a pretty terrible record of giving long-term deals to players with, with huge injury records and they end up um, popping up again with, with bad injuries, unfortunately. So, um, you know, we, we, we need to kind of play this one right. You know, I, I would love to keep him because I still think he's a very talented player, but instead of maybe handing him a three-year contract and on a big wage, the hearts maybe turn around and say, listen, we'll give you a, a year's deal with a, an option of a second. Um, but unfortunately, we're going to, you know, half the wage we're going to give you or, you know, retract it somehow and um, and then see how you get on. If you can prove your fitness, then absolutely, we'll, 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 we'll be quick to give you a, a long-term deal. I just think, you know, we've got to play this one right here. Um, I'd, everybody wants to get the best out, out of them. Um, but it's really frustrating, you know, because that's, well, it was 10 minutes into the game or something like that, and, and he had to go off. It's it's frustrating that we can't even get, you know, five, six games out of him without him getting another injury. So um, a big blow, but um, it kind of makes you think, well, we'll maybe go into the transfer window again and, and you know, maybe try and get another winger. I know we've obviously we've signed Mackay Stephen, who I think is a very talented player, but, um, you know, if you're looking at our wide men, that's, about it, you know, because I, I don't mind A.D. White, you know, I think he's done all right in the wings, but he's, he's not a natural winger. It's not his his um, position. Um, likewise, you know, I, I just don't think Free and Roberts are, are up to it, I'm afraid. Um, and then you've got Henderson there as well. I just think there's, I mean, you could probably, listen, we'll probably get away with it this season, you know, but I think going forward, um, particularly if we want to compete at the top end of the Premiership, we want to compete for trophies, we're going to have to have real quality on, on the wings because we've got strikers uh, that, that can score goals. And if you put quality uh, balls into them right in the middle of the, the six-yard box, where guys like Boyce and, and you know, Big Nando as well, you've already seen what you can what, what he'll do in, in the box. 
if you if you feed these guys, um, they'll get you goals. So I think it's extremely important that we get players who can create for them, um, because there's no point having two big goal scorers. And this, this was the problem that Boyce had at the start of the season, and even last season as well. There wasn't enough creativity for him, um, and and if you don't have creativity for these guys, they're not going to score goals. Um, so I think it's important that we maybe look at that rather than you know trying to sign uh, another player to replace Oli Lee. I think maybe we should you know, maybe put that on the back burner and, and maybe look at a wee six-month loan deal uh, to get us through at the end of the season. Um, and then we can maybe look at it in the summer. But I'm, I'm quite glad that Jones went to Sunderland because, you know, I've said many times that I think he would be a, a really good acquisition for us. And um, it's just disappointing that he's, he's away at Sunderland because, I mean, if this, maybe Janelli's injury had happened last week, we might have been in for, for somebody like him. And go back to the Wraith game, Calvin, Nandwili seems like a very good player. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect debut, isn't it? He's off off the bench and scores in a couple of minutes and then bags a double. I mean, I think he's, his first goal was, was... I mean, it was a good striker, but right place, right time. It was about time we actually had somebody following up goalkeeper errors um, or following up shots getting pad in the box. We've not done enough of that, not just this season, but in a long time. Um, but his second goal was magnificent. Like, it's... It's, it, I think he makes it look a, an awful lot easier than it actually is because it's, it's a good ball in from Irvin. I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from the, the cross in, but the way he just gets up, I mean, he's about two foot higher than any other player on the park. I know he's taller anyway, but a lot of very tall players aren't great at jumping. Um, and he gets up and he just guides it in the back of the net, completely takes it completely away from the goalkeeper instead of booting it down the middle. He just flicks it in the top corner at the other side of the goal. So he looks a handful. Um, it looks, it looks like he's got not my worry my, my big worry when you sign like a big centre forward is that they just become a target man a lump and their only use is a physicality whereas with him you know, it actually seems like he's got a bit of skill about him there's a there's a finisher there let's say the first one right place right time the second one that was just pure skill that's that's a guy that knows how to head on a ball that knows how to jump and knows how to place himself and beat a man because there was no no Wraith player was getting near him like, I think there's a still photo taken from the game and he's just miles above anybody else and to do that and then not just balloon it over the bar either but to actually guide it in it's just phenomenal and Gordon it's refreshing to see a big striker that actually you know looks decent at heart yeah I mean listen we've had plenty of big strikers over the years haven't we um, you know I think the the comparison you can maybe make in terms of the way it looks is probably big Michael and Goo, I think. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's refreshing to see. Absolutely. But I mean, it's only one game, so we won't get too carried away yet. Uh, I mean, Uchi scored, did he not score a, <laughs> score a two goals in his first two games or something as well. So, um, although I like the Uchi, don't get me wrong, but um, I think the, the, the problem that Hearts will have is like, like Calvin says, you know, you don't want to um, just become, become a long ball team and just hum the, hum the ball up to him because I don't think looking at him winning his previous goals that that's his game um, I think if you give the ball to his feet he can actually you know he can, he can he's happy to run at defenders and uh, he's not afraid to shoot and I think that is refreshing when it comes to, to signing a big striker and, and you know clearly he's very good with his head he's also uh, got a pretty good record from the spot from what I could see um, scored a few penalties for Blackpool and I think that will be key for us you know we struggled uh, for some reason, again with penalty takers, um, and um, this season, so we've not got a consistent taker. You know, if we uh, if we get to the stage where we get more penalties, um, 
which Nielsen teams sent, tend to generate. We do get a lot. Of, I don't know if it's just the way he likes his teams to set up, but we, we do tend to, to get quite a lot of penalties. So um, you would hope that um, somebody like uh, Bagnando, he'll, he'll be able to get on the get on the spot and, and get his goal tally up that way as well. So I think it's it's good to, to give us different options. Um, we've played the majority of the season with just the one striker. Um, it's good now that we have the option that we can play with two. Um, we, we have, so I, I think him and Boyce could definitely um, get together and have a decent partnership because I think it's not the, it's not necessarily a big man, wee man type of um, uh, setup that, 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 that I think they would, they would come together. But I think they, they probably could suit each other. You know, Boyce is actually a very creative player. He's very good with his feet. Um, we've seen it a few times this season that he, he can get away from defenders and create a little bit of space and, and just put the ball to somebody's feet. And I don't think we've had enough clinical um, clinical players in the box that, that have managed to finish off chances that he's created. Um, but you feel if he's got a partner like uh, like, like Nando, then you know he can he can stick it in the back of the uh, back of the net. And I'm and I'm going to keep calling him Nando until he leaves Hearts because I, I, I love that name. You clearly heard that on Hearts TV today. Um, I did, I did, and, and I, I like it. I have to say, I agree with Jimmy Sanderson. I think it's, it's much easier to use. Yeah, it's, it's better than trying to say Nandwale all the time or Nandule or whatever. Um, obviously, moving on to today's game, Calvin, a, a good win, but we've got Craig Gordon to thank again. Yeah, I mean, I think the way the game started, again, I was asking the Wraith over again, the, the Wraith home game, sorry, because they had a shot on target, cleared off the line in the first 30 seconds, followed up by a corner where they nearly scored from as well, and you're just like, oh, here we go. But, no, it was... At the end of the day, the results are all that matter, and there's going to come games in the season where you're going to have to just do that. And I think Gordon... Gordon bailed us out today. There's no doubt about it. Like, he's saved in the, his first save was phenomenal. Like to call that out with his right hand is brilliant. Um he had a really good save early on the second half as well. But overall I didn't overall I don't think we gave Dunfermline anywhere near the chances we gave Rafe last week. Like we won we were nowhere near the Shambal. We we're far more solid than when Gordon was needed to he made the saves. So it was definitely better. I think Dunfermline are a good side. They've they've not they've not lost away from home this season, am I right? I think they've had a few draws, a few nil nils. So they're obviously a I think they've had like three or four nil nils in a row. So they're a very, very, very solid side who don't give you many chances. It was a big game. Like this thing, now coming away from it, having won the game, you look at the table now, I didn't realise Rafe had two games in hand over us. I mean, if we'd have dropped points today, they won their two games in hand and it's, yeah, it's game on again all of a sudden. It would have been quite clear. Whereas now there's that, that cushion. Um, yeah, all, all in it was... So it wasn't a good performance. It's probably not the right word to use. It was a a dogged performance, if you like. It was a it was a game that we're always going to encounter, and I'm just glad that it went the right way. I think I raised the point a few weeks ago after the I think the Alloa game about us conceding sloppy goals, and there was going to come a game where we were only going to get the one goal, and we needed to be defensively solid. And thankfully today we were. I know Gordon. Like, I know said he made two brilliant saves, but that is that is what he's paid to do, I suppose. But we did, he wasn't bombarded. He had two really good saves to make. But aside from that, I think the batline held themselves really well today. I think the midfield link, Halliday had. I know he's, he's came in for a bit of stick recently as well. But I think he had one of his one of his far better games for Hearts today. Like he was solid. They seemed to win a lot of the second balls in the middle, not let Dunfermline launch the counter attacks they were clearly trying to launch during the game. So, oh, and dogged performance. Glad we got the result. 
wouldn't they watch it again? Like I was nearly dozing off when we scored. It was, but to be fair, it was always going to need something like that. It was a phenomenal goal to win the game. A man who we have criticised several times on this show has had a good had a good game on Tuesday night, and that was outstanding. The turn and the finish was was brilliant. So yeah, I'm happy. Was very bored, but happy with the result all the same. It certainly was not a classic, and I don't think anybody will watch that again. I think they'll just delete the tape after it's finished. But one one key thing is we've we've got we've had two clean sheets, Gordon, and you know two games SQ plays two clean sheets. Um, you know we've conceded far too many goals this season, and we definitely needed a change to that back four. And um, I'd been shouting it for Pescu to get an opportunity. You know, for some reason there was this huge thing around Popescu that he's, you know, he's a bomb scare and he's rubbish. Um, defensively, I don't really ever recall him making too many mistakes or, or if any, certainly better, I've made far more, many more mistakes than, than, um, than Popescu had. Yes, he might have a bit of a, a dodgy first touch at times. He might give away the odd pass. Um, but defensively, he's a better defender than better. And that that's on the basis from what we've seen this season. Um, people can can talk about how better you know what what it used to be like, but he's not like that anymore, and it's a fact. You know he's nowhere near the player he was even two years ago. Um, so for me, you know, I, I think it was a change that needed to happen. No coincidence that there is. Um, we've now had two clean sheets, and as Calvin says, you know, I, I thought we the the defence looked solid. I thought Craig Gordon, uh, yeah, he made two wonderful saves, but it is his job, and you expect him to come up with those sort of saves. Um, I think the the thing that separated the game today was that bit of quality from Walker, and it's something that we've been crying out from him for ages, particularly in big games and and big moments. You know, he's he hasn't delivered, but he certainly um, came on and 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 you know delivered there. You know, it was a lovely it was a lovely goal. It really was. Um, it was a great turn, and you know, I almost thought he was just trying to stick it towards the the just the the, the back stick there. You know, for somebody like Boyce or or Nando uh, uh, go and stick a tap in because it looked like both of them were chasing up. But to actually find the bottom corner and get a goal out of it just shows you um, how much quality he's got. And I've said for ages, you know, he, that he's got quality. He scored 49 goals for Hearts and he's played 220, uh, 21, uh, 21 times for Hearts now. So, you know, it's not as if, you know, we're sitting here saying that he's, he's crap and he's, he's he shouldn't be anywhere near the team. We're criticising because ultimately, time and time again, particularly in the big games, he, he wouldn't he wouldn't turn up. He would go hiding, and and you know that that's not the player that's there. Um, so I was delighted that he came on and, and he managed to become the match winner. Um, I've seen quite a lot of criticism towards Nazi. I think that's unfair. Um, you know, he was he's been asked to deploy a deeper role. Um, certainly the start. I think it was maybe about 10, 15 minutes in. Him and Halliday almost swapped. Nazi dropped deeper. That's not Nizi's game. I think he's a number ten. I think he should be playing as high up as possible. I still don't. I, I still can't understand why he's continually asked to, to play that deeper role. I just I just don't think it, it suits his game. I think you get more out of Naismith, and you know that the night when he scored a hat trick against uh, our broth proved what a, a lethal finisher he is. Um, if you have him up up the top end of the park, he will score you goals. And um, in my opinion, we've got really good um, defensive midfield cover. How they can play there. Um, Irvin can deploy that role as well. And you've got a man who's a tremendous footballer sitting on the bench and Peter Harron, who hasn't had enough opportunities this season. You know, I think if you get him fit and get him on the park, he, he's a tremendous player. So you don't need Nasey to be playing in that, that role. 
Um, I get that it's difficult that you can't really have Nasey and Walker on the same team, either have one or the other. But you know, Nasey's at an age now where you can, you know, you you can rotate, and you know if Walker's going to come on and make that sort of impact, then fine. You know, rotate them both in that number ten role, keep it fresh. You know, use the squad at your disposal. Um, and I think that's what the difference between Harston and Dunfermline today was. You know, we had that bit of quality on the bench that we could rely on and bring on and ultimately it won us the game because I didn't really think there was anything in it. Um, I thought both teams kind of cancelled each other out. They played similar formations and both teams had chances. Um, but in the end, it was that, it was that little bit of quality that won us the game. And ultimately, that's why we're 12 points going at the top of the championship. It is going to be consistency, Calvin, that's going to win us this this league, isn't it? Other teams are taking points off each other. You know, if we consistently win, we're going to win the league. We've got air on Friday. I mean, that, that should be a win. But, you know, we know that teams are always beating each other, always drawn with each other, aren't they? Yeah, I think that's, that is key. Because you look at today's game, Dundee were one off at one point against Rafe. And then you're going, oh, Dundee are now back in it. And then Rafe went to beat them 3-1. And now Rafe are back in it. And I was saying, if Rafe win their two games in hand, I think they cut the gap to six. I wouldn't bet on Rafe being consistent enough to win those two games. Like they're obviously a decent side to still be in the top four, and I think they are second, but they've not been as consistent as we have. Like we, yeah, we have had the odd shocker here and there, but over the course of our season, like I think we've got thirteen games left to play, six at home, seven away. I would go on the lines of, for me anyway, I think as long as we can just keep grinding out results, the league's probably done after this week. I could bite me in the arse that. Hopefully not. I think the six home games, you win them a couple of draws away, that would be more than enough. Like, we should just be aiming to win everything. And I like to think we will try and we will win more games than not. But I don't see a team behind us. Every time one of them pieces are run together, they then seem to go and take a tanking off the other one and have a couple. Of, I mean, like one at one point, they like could be done Fairman. I think they've drawn their last three games before today and then got beat today. So now they're out of it. And then Dundee all of a sudden had a wee catch up on us. And now they've had a couple of bad results. Rafe are now the ones in a bit of sense, but then we scurried them 4-0 midweek. So, yeah, I think they three are going to take enough points of each other, and especially against the lower sides. The games we have lost this season, they've been, we've lost three games and they've been against the other three top four sides. They've dropped points to Morton and Arbroath, Aloha, etc. teams in the, the bottom three. I think that, that's where the difference is really going to come into. I think at home especially, we'll blow most of those teams out the water. I think we've got enough call in the squad away from home to take points. Like you say, Ayr's another... In normal times, Ayr could be quite a tricky place to go. You know, I think no fans there. We might, I reckon Ayr will be one of the teams that will come out and get in our faces, like Dundee, Dunfermline did. So I hope we can, we're able to manage that. But if we win... We've got a better run of games now. That was a, that was a hard run of games. If we'd won all three, I think the league was done and dusted. That would be as 15 points quid at least. I think two wins out of three is, is still a decent enough return. And given the fact that two of those other teams are playing each other today, yeah, I think, I think the next run of games, as long as we can just keep up this consistency, will be fine. Yeah, no, no, I, I completely agree. I think January was always going to be a, a, a huge month for us. Uh, we said, you know, if we get through January and we've still got a, a sizable lead at the top, then, then that should be enough for us. And I think that'll be the case. You know, I think um, today was a big one. Because, you know, if you, you don't get through that, then there is some question marks still labelled at you. I think last week was a a combination of the good and bad of hearts. You know, I think the, the first 55 uh, minutes or whatever um, was a disaster and it was the worst we've played. Um, but we actually, you know, 
fought back and, and really should have got something out of that game. Um, but exploited our defensive frailties. Listen, I don't think we're perfect defensively still by, you know, necessarily just because Pescu's came back into the team. That's not what I'm saying. But we're certainly look a lot more assured and, and a lot more confident. Um, you know, I hate making it the Christoph Berra show, but ultimately it was it was poor from Nielsen to bring him back in. Um, especially for the length of time that he gave him and the amount of goals we conceded. Uh, it doesn't look like it's bit us. Um, looks like we've managed to kind of get weather that storm. But you know, if if Berra hadn't got injured, he might have played on on Tuesday and he might have played again today. And you know, who knows what would have happened? Um, and I'm not just saying that you know we've won these games because he wasn't playing. I'm not saying that at all. But I mean, it's certainly having a solid defence. And I thought we were reasonably solid up until he made the change defensively. You know, we hadn't really conceded that many goals. We weren't playing particularly well, but we had only just started um, our season. Um, and then obviously after the first Dunfermline game, he brings Berra back in. I thought defensively after he, that happened, you know, we just keep leaking goals, particularly at home as well. You know, Air took three off us. Uh, Wraith had took three off us. You know, we had, we had lost three to Dundee. Um, it's not acceptable. Not at this level. Um, so it's it's good for everyone that we've managed to keep two clean sheets now. That'll breed confidence going to, especially going into um, a tricky game next week. Um, you know, Air will fancy it. Like I say, they took three goals off us last time they played. So, you know, they'll 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 fancy them getting themselves, you know, having having a real go and trying to trying to score a few goals against us. But if we can go there and and you know remain solid, uh, go with the right attitude, and um, and maybe get an early goal and settle us down, you know, we can hopefully go there and, and win the game. Um, because, you know, if we do that, then that takes it to 15. And, you know, you've got Dunfermline, Dundee and Wraith all playing on the Saturday. I'm pretty sure Wraith and Dunfermline, I, I might be wrong, but I think they're playing each other actually next weekend. Um, so that's that, that's another tough one for them, uh, for, for both of those, you know. So all these sides have still got to play each other. Dundee and Dunfermline will have to play each other soon as well. Um, they'll they so they'll all take points off each other. You know, our next three games I think are um Air, Queen of the South and Morton, I think. Um so you know, you would be looking at that and on paper that should really be nine points. Um, you know, against sides who are, are obviously towards the bottom half of the table. But they'll they'll be tricky games, they're all tricky games. But I think, you know, we've we've got the bit between our teeth now. Um if we can go into these games, you know, approach them the right way. Um and and just keep slugging along and getting enough points and before we know it we'll have we'll have secured the title and then we can you know look towards next year. But um, it'll be interesting to see when the Scottish Cup starts again because that I'd I'd like to see us have a real go at that. You know Europa League playoff if you win it. Um, given the way you know I mean I would fancy us against any side. Um, maybe not Rangers, but you never know. I mean they've lost to St Mirren this season, so. Um, you know, if you get a good run in that, when that restarts, you know, we could go into next season potentially in Europe. So, you know, still a lot to play for this season. Do you see the Scottish Cup continuing with all the teams? Um, I hope so. You know, I mean, I think, um, you know, the, the the teams in League One and Two are keen to, to get back playing again. Um, you know, they've set out a roadmap. They've, they've all came together and, and they, they want to get playing um, I think from March. So, you know, you can maybe look at that. Um, I mean, you would probably have to condense the cup, the, the cup rounds. 
Um, I mean, we've still got our second round to, to play. Um, and then, you know, we've got the, got the third round as well. So if we get past those, you would expect us to. I think, is it Stranraer? Am I right? Are, are we playing? Yeah. And if we get into the, the third round. So, you know, realistically on paper, there's two rounds that we should be getting through. You're in the fourth round. That's when the, the kind of, you know, you would probably expect to get a premiership team. And certainly at home, um, you you would fancy us, or even away from home, um, against most Premiership teams. So if we can get ourselves to the latter stages of the cup, um, particularly if we can get the league out the road and the league doesn't become a, stra- a distraction, then you know we could we could look at having a serious go at the cup because I think the ability that we've got in the squad, um, we could have a real go. And um, you know you never know. And but I think uh, it would certainly it would certainly bring the the club maybe a season forward if we could get, you know, into the cup final and win it and then get into Europe because, you know, you're not then having to play a full premiership season trying to battle to get into Europe. So um it would be huge. So I think we should we should look at the the cup. And I, I think I think there will be. Um and I'm confident that that as soon as the the lower leagues start, because I can't just scrap the lower leagues again. You know, it's not it's not fair. Um, on these clubs and you, you would then see clubs going out of business you know I think the shutdown now is ridiculous to be honest with you I mean I think it's farcical um, that it's even got to this stage um, but yeah I think from March they'll start up again and you'll see the cup possibly start maybe the end of mid, uh, mid-March um, probably a few midweek cup fixtures I would imagine I'll get, I'll get pushed in there but yeah I, I think it will restart again I don't know. I don't know if the Europa League this year. Obviously, you know how the Champions League. You go if you go out in the playoffs, you go to Europa League. Does that happen the same with Europa League to the Conference League? Yeah. Well, I mean, if if we um, if you so win like, the Scottish Cup, you you go into the playoffs of the Europa League. Ah, so but I mean, like, so say if I've not even looked this up. So say if like we got into the playoff Europa League, right? Got beat. Would we then drop to the Conference League? So we'd have a group. I, I believe so. I'm not I'm not too sure. I mean, because third I think third place as it stands gets into the third qualifying round of the conference and then fourth goes into the second round, I believe. Um so I think I think yeah, I think if you do get knocked out of the Europa League, you do then go into the uh, the conference. Um certainly hope that's the, the, the case anyway. I would I would imagine it to be the case because it was it was always the same when um you know it's the same same with the Champions Leagues, but there's a good opportunity now for uh, Scottish football to, to get itself back into the European stage. You know, I think certainly um, football's changing, um, and I think the gap's narrowing now. Um, teams are, all, and you've seen, you know, the impact that Rangers have had in Europe and, and how well they've managed to do. Um, I think now it's time for clubs like ourselves, um, even Aberdeen, and and um, the other lot to to actually have a proper go and get themselves into Europe and and try and get you know Scotland back on the map and get us competing regularly in Europe because I think the Conference League's a huge opportunity. You know I think both um, who, whoever whether it's third and fourth or fourth and fifth or who, whoever the, the two clubs are in the Conference League, I think they've, it's imperative that they get themselves into the group stages. Europa League would be great. You know if we can get ourselves in the Europa League group stages, that would be tremendous. Um, but the conference leagues, I think, is a big one for Scottish football to move forward. I have just looked it up, and yeah, you do. So basically, if you go out of the Europa League 
playoff than you're into the Conference League. So you're basically guaranteed a group stage, which, which oh, is really? yeah. brilliant. Well, I mean, th- th- there you go. I mean, that's sure. I mean, listen, you shouldn't re- it shouldn't really be the key incentive to go and win the Scottish Cup. I mean, you should be doing that anyway because it's to win the trophy. Um, but it just shows you the, the rewards that you can get from going all out to try and win the Cup. Um, particularly when you see, you know, uh, Celtic and Rangers going out of the League Cup um, and it wasn't even if you know as if it was against you know two particularly great sides um, you know they went out to Ross County who ended up going out in the next round and then obviously Rangers go out to St Mirren who didn't even get to the final so you know there's there's an absolute huge chance I think for Hearts um, to go in and win the Scottish and you know if the if the the draws you know favourable towards us then great and we'll we'll see how it goes but there's there's a big chance. You watch it'll be Motherwell or someone that wins a cup this year and they'll they'll do absolutely nothing. Zero points from all games. Have you seen Motherwell? You have no laugh. Uh, no, it won't be them. I think um yeah, I think I think Hearts are due a cup, you know, and we've we've been quite close lately, you know. I think there's a real hunger in that squad to, to have a real go, you know. The League Cup was a disaster, we know that. Um but I think the Scottish will be a bit different for us this year and um, you know, if we can get a good draw and get ourselves to the, the latter stages, then, you know, who knows? But and, and I think key to that will be having the league wrapped up nice and early. Calvin is still here, by the way, um, for all the listeners listening in. It's not just me and Gordon talking about, dreaming about hearts going at Europe and winning the cup. But we will move on and we will chat um, a wee bit about our transfer business this January. Calvin, do you think we've, do you think we've done a, a, a good bit of business? Do you think we could have done a wee bit more? I think we've done I'd say okay I think the players we've signed have been really good signings I think there's still an area that needs addressed at the back whether or not I mean is the window is it tomorrow at midnight or is it Monday at midnight that it shuts because I think it'll be Monday pretty sure it's Monday so I I don't know how much movement we see before then like Gordon already said earlier about another winger I'm not convinced we will go and sign another winger I think if we signed a centre half I would be over the moon I think it'd be a very very successful transfer window um, yeah, we've addressed it as we needed. We've addressed them with what appear to be quality signings. We've extended Kingsley's um, contract. Um, yeah, overall, not a bad, not a bad window. I'd like to see some more players leave, um, but you're kind of stuck there. Like someone like Demur, for example, I would I would very, very much like to see us free up his wage. Will Demur leave? Well, it took us a while to get Connor Salmon out, so you know I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath. Um... I think there's talk of him seemingly going on loan with a view permanent. You know, I think, where's he going to go? You know, I, you, I don't imagine any clubs in Britain will, will want him, um, particularly on the wage he'll be on. Um, you know, he'd done nothing when he was in the Championship with Cardiff and played four times or something. You know, he's came up here and he's he's part of a relegated Hearts team. Um, I, I don't see him leaving in this window. I think he will go. he'll go abroad probably. Um, but I don't think that'll happen until the summer. You know, I think, uh, apart from, you know, big, big transfers, i.e. Frimpong to Bayer Leverkusen, you won't see a lot of um, kind of big transfers between Europe uh, Europe and Britain, you know, British-based players. It's just, it's just not going to happen um, in this window. Um, I don't think clubs are going to take the risk. I think in the summer, you'll probably see a, a, a bit more movement. Um, so, no, I think you'll there's a good chance he'll be sitting tight um, unless something comes 
you know, from down south. Um, I think I wouldn't be surprised if Whiten ended up out the door before the before the window closes. Um, I said earlier on, I think they were they were looking at Moore potentially moving on. That could happen still as well. Um, I think I think it'll be a busy couple of you know few hours last few hours uh, of the window at Hearts actually. Um, whether we get some in, I don't know. Um, I think he's got you know he strengthened the two areas that he clearly wanted to um, a striker and a winger. He, you know he, he's managed to, to add a, a tremendous amount of quality to those two positions. Um, Ginelli being out now, that might all his thinking. Um, yeah. I, it wouldn't shock me if one came in, but again, it's got to be the right one, isn't it? You know, there's no point us panic buying. But in saying that, you know, we've we've traditionally done quite a lot of business on deadline day. Um, you know, particularly under Nielsen as well. He used to love a transfer deadline. So, um, yeah, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if we do bring some players in, but um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Bobby Nielsen's like a modern day Harry Redknapp, isn't he? <laughs> he loves a deal. Um are you confident, though, Gordon, that we are signing the right players now? I mean, there was a lot of criticism in previous regimes that we've not signed the right player. I mean, are are we getting in the right people? Do you think? I think I think clearly the structure's changed now. Um, I think there's a a lot more work will probably be going into the players that we are signing, and and clearly, you know, the last window I thought we did do some some good business, you know. Um, We've brought in a, a very competent left back who could be at this club for a while, um, who's got international pedigrees. Just unlucky that he's got two world class left backs in front of him because he would probably be in the Scotland squad. Um, you know, we've we've brought in a world class goalkeeper. Um two positions that, you know, we've struggled with in, in recent years, you know, particularly goalkeeping, you know, has been a shambles. Um, and we've strengthened, you know, uh, our forward line as well. And we've used the players that I think, you know, look decent players when we brought them in, but it just didn't quite happen to them. And I don't know if that's because we weren't, you know, playing the right formations. We didn't have the right blend. Um, I feel like we've got a better blend of player now. And I think we're at the stage where um, our first 11 is certainly up there, um, you know, with, with the best in, in Scotland, in, in my opinion. Um, I know we've had some terrible results recently. It's maybe brought us back down to earth a little bit. But when Hearts turn it on, they're as good as anybody in the country. I think the issue is defensively, we um, we've you know let ourselves down at times. Um, I think that's that's something that we can address in the summer, and I've no doubts that we will. Um, so you know, I think we're at a stage now where we're needing to bring in quality over quantity, and the evidence of bringing somebody like Mackay Stephen in. And then um, Big Nando there as well um, shows that we are moving towards that, you know, because in previous transfer windows, we've been bringing in four and five players um, at a time. And, you know, realistically, they've, they just haven't all worked. You know, they've been here maybe one window and one or two windows down the line, they're out. Um, and we need to get away from that. And uh, I think now we're at a stage where we've got a really good start in 11. We've got good depth, I think, in certain areas. But we just, when we are going to go into the transfer market, we need to make sure that we're bringing in quality. And um, and I think going by January, we've done that. So, yeah, I think, I think I'm optimistic that we, we're certainly uh, moving in the right direction. Obviously, we like to ask the burning questions on this show. So, Calvin, why do English football fans or English football clubs feel it's okay to have a go 
at Scottish football clubs. I mean, we seen that tweet from Wickham earlier on Saturday about Uchi. Insecurity. These football clubs realistically offer nothing. They're only, like the community football clubs, etc. But the only reason they're of any relevance is they happen to play in a league two or three below Man United and Arsenal and Chelsea, etc. These clubs have never played in Europe, never will play in Europe, they'll never win silverware. So what have they got to shout about? Let's have a pop at Scottish football because it's an easy target. Well, I debate that. If you look at some of the players that came up from England that have absolutely flopped here. I mean, I think one of the key phrases this season has been terrible defending by Shane Duffy. Um, a guy who was a quite a accomplished player in the Premier League, or Joey Barton, the same. To use a phrase, we fannies who don't know what they're talking about, having a look at Scottish football. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the good old my nan could win, you know, the Premier League. Uh, brigade at their finest, isn't it? And, uh, you know, and there's never like, you know, fans of Premier League clubs, like, you know, um, you know, your Man United's and Chelsea's and stuff, C- certainly not proper fans anyway, um, you know, because they, they aren't bothered about Scottish football, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a bit of banter that'll, that'll fly uh, back forward, you expect that, you know, cross-border banter, but um, these clubs seem to take it really personal, and, and it is always we clubs like, you know, Wickham and and even, you know, um, the fans of uh, what's Walsall as well, um, who were who were having a pop the other week there because we were after their striker. Um, thing is, with Uchi, I, I don't understand what they're talking about because, you know, I thought Uchi was, you know, he left with, with most people's good wishes. You know, he scored a few derby goals. Uh, he was a likeable guy. I liked him as a player. I thought he was an orthodox um, and you know what? He actually, uh, I watched him against Spurs uh, on Monday there, and I thought he done well. Um, I thought he, he certainly bullied Toby Alderweireld for the for the first goal. Anyway, had him in his back pocket at times. Um, but I think the way you know, the game kind of went, he became isolated, and and um, you know Spurs overran them in the end. But um, yeah, it's, it's a strange thing for an official uh, Twitter account to tweet. Um, just because you, you I mean you would expect it possibly from a fan's account, but not from an actual Twitter account. But I mean that's them there, and then obviously as I said, we had Walsall the other week there who actually released a statement about us, um, and they were unhappy with our approach, even though we'd done absolutely nothing wrong. Um, and yeah, there's been a few down the years as well who have had pops. You know, I mean Barnsley as well after we appointed Stendhal, they, you know, they, they were having a pop as well. So. Um, like Calvin says, you know, I think it is jealousy and insecurity, you know, these clubs. I think the the biggest thing, you know, the biggest trip that they can ever have is like a, a pre-season uh, friendly away to Royal Antwerp or something like that, you know, um, or, you know, somewhere in the, in <laughs> down, down in Portugal or something, you know. Um, yeah, it's weird because the, the only time that I've ever actually felt like there was a bit of resentment when I went down south as a Scotsman and a Scottish football fan was when uh, I went down to Burnley once. And for some reason, you know, that's uh, nowhere else. You know, I've been, I've been all over, you know, uh, England. I've been Newcastle. I've been London and Manchester and Liverpool and all these cities, you know. Um, and I've never, ever felt that, uh, you know, that, like there's an anti-Scottish thing or anything like that or anti-Scottish football or anything like that from anybody. Um, but then I went to Burnley um, and I, I just feel I feel like it's it's teams who support these smaller clubs and they're from these kind of small communities that they just have this thing where they think Scottish football is just crapper than they are. Um, and I think I, I think they need to they need a reality check, you know, because Hearts are a huge football club, not just in Scotland, but 
have thousands of uh, su- supporters a year who travel up and watch Hearts. You know, we, we know ourselves. You know, my my good mate Barry as well. You know, he comes up sometimes for the semi-finals and the finals from Liverpool, and he was saying, you know when he was on the train coming up to Hamden for the semi against Inverness, the amount of Hearts fans that were on the trains coming up from down south. Um, so, And it's the same, you know, thousands of fans travel to watch Celtic and Rangers from uh, down south and, and across Ireland. You know, these clubs, they, they can't attract these types of supporters. So I think it is a jealousy thing, really. Would that be the same Burnley that couldn't be Aberdeen over two legs in 90 minutes, eh? That, that that would be the same Burnley, absolutely, yeah. First first time in Europe. Um, I think they were only in Europe because of the Fair Play League or something. I don't know, but um, uh, they actually got there on merit, I think. But the same. Well, I mean, they should have just... stayed there on merit because if you can't beat Aberdeen over two legs, um, over ninety minutes, as you say, then then you you're not going to last in Europe very yeah. long. Did they even get to the group stages? No, they didn't. Not no, they the yeah. Any any club in England that doesn't get to the group stages, Europa League. Uh, that's quite an embarrassing achievement, really. Yeah, something that I've always wondered is, is this just an English-Scottish thing? Like, do teams in the Bundesliga 3 give a toss what the, the Austrian champion, like the Austrian Bundesliga are doing? Well, it's, it's, quite, it. it's quite funny because, you know, and, and I, I didn't know this, you know, it was only until I was looking it up that, um, you know, I mean, the, the whole German-Austrian thing, you know, obviously, because du- during the war when... Um, Germany uh, annexed Austria, you know, they, they still had football going on. And uh, I think it was Rapid Vienna actually won the Bundesliga twice. Um, when, when I'm sure it was Rapid. Yeah, I'm positive it was Rapid. Um, they, they, they actually won the German Bundesliga when I was there. I mean, could you imagine like a Scottish club going down south and winning the Premier League? Could you imagine the the resentment and the hatred that, that, that they would they would then get? And it would be the same as was if an English club came up to Scotland and, and ended up winning the Scottish Premiership. It would be the same thing. So it could be the Scottish English thing, but um, yeah. I think some of it is just baffling, you know. And it always seems to be the smaller clubs that seem to take real issue with it, you know. I mean, on, on that thing about a team winning the fun, did Motherwell not win the Copa del Rey? Or am I just, there's no some absolute nonsense about Motherwell. I'll just quickly double check. Yeah, well, yeah, they actually won the official, the unofficial Copa del Rey in 1927, beat Real Madrid 3-1, believe it or not. Mm. Maybe they were launching, you know, trying to launch a European competition or something. And to, to, to be fair, they beat Swansea to play then Real Madrid. So there's there's some some mental some... Scottish football knowledge there, and I had no clue about that. So thank you, Calvin. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah I, I, I didn't know either. It's been quite a quite a historical show today. You got. You just got to look at some of the clubs that have got to Premier League, like Bournemouth, backed by a, a Russian. You know, not even twelve thousand fans. They're definitely a smaller club than than half the clubs in the Scottish Premiership. You know, it's it's clear that these clubs do live off the big Premier League money, isn't it? Yeah, that's. I mean, attracting foreign investment. Like you say, Bournemouth's a really good example because their stadium is smaller than most Scottish top flight stadiums. Their fan base. I mean, they've probably got quite a lot of fan base. Outside of the big six or seven clubs in England, the rest of them hang off the coattails. And they're on, they've only got money to spend because foreign fans want to watch Man United. They want to watch Chelsea, Arsenal, Liverpool, Everton, Spurs. Realistically, you're not going to get a Russian owner investing in what the Scottish club in Stranraer, right? They're just not. Because even if you do get them all the way to the Premier League, the rewards just aren't there. Whereas if you can take Bournemouth, who were what, sort of League Two, League One, you get them Premier League, you chuck in a few million quid, get them Premier League, you make your money back. Like Scottish football, you don't make money on. Outside, probably the old firm. 
it's you, you can get a club running sustainably. And most owners of Scottish football clubs now at least have some sort of attachment to the club or the local area. Yeah, it's there's far more opportunity for foreign investment, which gives these clubs sort of a set, an overinflated sense of where they really belong in the football world. If they, if there wasn't the money in England, a club like Burnmouth wouldn't be able to get near Hearts or Hibs. So yeah, it's, it's depressing in a way because these clubs can slag us off in a way just by virtue of by virtue of the league they happen to play in. It's a bit, a bit of a nonsense, really. That, that, that's a good point you make, Calvin, and this will probably be my final point on it, is, you know, English football's lost that, that sense of fans, the sense of, you know, being able to, you know, go and watch your team, because it, it is, it's, it's very commercialised, and in Scotland, we need to watch that our game doesn't become the same. I don't think it ever will, you know, I mean, I think, I think our, our game's been mismanaged totally, um, and it's not, maybe this summer's kind of showed to me that it's not necessarily just because of the people who lead Scottish football, but it's a large part to the to do with the clubs. And uh, you go back to the, the original Sky deal at the, uh, at the start of the century there, um, where, you know, they were offered similar money almost to what the English, the English game was getting and similar coverage. And uh, they thought that they could do better. And, uh, you know, and then the rest of history is the same. We've went on a downward spiral since then. Um, but I think we don't do enough to, to sell our product up here. You know, I think we should have a bigger league. Um, you know, there's big clubs even in the championship. You know, teams like Dunfermline and Wraith Rovers are big clubs in their own right, um, in their own communities. Um, and you're not trying to tell me that they couldn't do well in a big 18-team Scottish Premiership. Um, particularly if, you know, teams are only playing each other twice. The reason why people look at Scottish football and say, oh, well, Celtic and Rangers are the only teams that win that league. And yeah, you're right. But when you're playing the best teams constantly, either four times a season, it's going to be very difficult to compete with them. It's not just the, the budgets they have. You know, in two one-off games, you could get four points off them. You know, you could get six points off them. But when you've got to actually play them four times, it makes that difficult. And two of them as well, four times. So you're talking about there's eight games that realistically you've got to go and win against teams who have three, four, five times the budget of you, um, which makes it near enough impossible to go and win a title. But if you've only got to play these teams twice home and away, you give yourself a chance. Um, so I, I think, you know, the fact that we don't have a bigger league, it makes it more competitive. I don't buy all this nonsense that they say, you know, not having a bigger league means that it won't be as competitive. You'll have more pointless games. I'm sorry, but, you know, going to places like Motherwell twice a season and, you know, Hamilton twice a season and stuff like that. Don't try to tell me that that's, that's not pointless because I'm sorry it is. Um, it's a waste of time playing the same teams constantly and it becomes stale and boring. And that's why we haven't had a winner um, of the um, of the Premier League out, outside of the old firm for, you know, 35, 40 years or whatever it is. Um, I believe for a minute that Celtic wouldn't be heading for, well, they wouldn't have won the last nine league titles, even without Rangers at the league if it was a bigger league and we were only playing twice a season, I firmly believe a team like Aberdeen or even ourselves, you know, could have potentially won a title in that time if it's a bigger league. Um, but I think, you know, we, we shoot ourselves in the foot and we're more interested in, in pandering to two football clubs rather than doing what's best for our uh, entire uh, Scot Scottish football as a whole. 
Um, and I think that's where we shoot ourselves in the foot. So it's natural that other teams are going to poke fun at us when we can't even get our own house in order. I think our real problem is that we don't do enough um, for our own league and for our own clubs. And, um, you know, I don't think we'll ever get to the stage where we become over-commercialised because I just don't think we've got the, the drive to ever do that, unfortunately. I don't think it would necessarily be a bad thing becoming more commercialised because it would give... Uh, I think clubs a a bigger chance of actually competing with the top two. Um, I think we should have a bigger league. I think we we should be looking at better sponsorship deals. I mean, our league doesn't our top league doesn't even have a sponsor. Um, so I think Scottish football had a real chance to to almost rip itself up and start again. Um, last March when lockdown occurred, um, and I was almost licking my lips because I thought, you know, this is the chance we've been waiting for here. You know, we could really change the game for better. And as usual, you know, shot ourselves in the foot. They all ganged up on us, sent us down to other clubs as well. Um, instead of coming together and actually making, you know, a real point, a real argument for change in the country for the better. We just, uh, the, the self-interest took over. And uh, unfortunately, that just proved to me that we'll, we'll never move forward. I have to say, we've, we've, we've covered Rapid Vienna, Motherwell, Scottish football, English football, and of course hearts it being the hearts view thank you both for joining me today and yeah hopefully we can get another win over air and be closer to the premiership until then though goodbye